The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. I'm me. Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, Adam, the holiday season is among us. And what do you do during the holiday season? Uh, you write your letter to Santa and get tell him what you want for Christmas. So we're going to get to that in a moment where we're going to, you know, it's getting towards the middle, towards the end of like the, the business end of the offseason where all the major moves have happened, but the Brewers still have room on the roster to add some things. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. But first, uh, welcome to this Zoom screen. It's great to see you. How are you doing? Great to see you as always, Andrew. I'm doing well. Christmas is indeed upon us. Um, yeah, it's time for some some wish lists. I mean, I feel like a lot of Brewers fans have been doing this for a few weeks now, trying to map out who they would like, who fits in where. We have a much clearer picture on all things Brewers now than we have had for quite a while. And I think there's actually, to give the Brewers some credit, there's things we like about the changes that they've made to the roster so far. And it's like, hey, how about you just keep doing good stuff? How about you just make this team even better? And that's maybe part of it. So, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about some potential trade targets, potential free agent targets. 
Some I wish as though they might be more internal too though. But we'll we'll get to that. Before we before we do, before we go any further, let me take care of a important piece of business. If you're a listener to multiple podcasts around the Eurostep Podcast Network, you may have already heard about this. You may hear about it again. You will, in fact, hear about it again. Um, but this is often a one-way street. We talk, we talk, we talk, you listen. And we want to flip that around a little bit, and we want to hear from all of you, the listeners, on what you like about the Eurostep Podcast Network shows you listen to, what you know about maybe some of the other shows that you don't listen to, what you think we could do better, what you appreciate most, what you might be interested in seeing us do in the future. So this is something we've never done before, but we want to really kind of dive in. We're only asking listeners. We're only asking people in the Discord because we want the people who pay closest attention and the people who will impact the most, I guess, any kind of adjustments we were to make or anything we were to take on board from the general feedback we get to have their voices heard. So we have a survey. We have a GSPN survey. We would really, really appreciate if you could go and fill it out. It won't take you longer than a couple of minutes. Um, to do so, you go to gspn.info. The very first link there will say, take the GSPN survey. You can fill it out. It's all anonymous. Please be honest. Tell us what you really like. If there's something you don't like, tell us. Uh <laughs> I'm not going to guarantee that everything is going to change one way or another, but we do want to get a kind of a wider sense of what people think of all the pods of everything we're doing and um, factor that into all decisions we make going forward. So gspn.info, take the GSPN survey. You have questions in there for all of the GSPN pods, including cruising for a bruising. Maybe you don't know about any others. Maybe you don't listen to them. That's fine. You can say exactly that, and if that's the case, we want to know about it. So, once again, gspn.info, take the GSPN survey. Before we move on to our wish list, Adam, there were some some more additions and subtractions uh, from the 40-man the roster in, in the last week or so. Uh, the first one I'll get to, this isn't in the correct order, but Adonis Medina, who was signed to a free agent contract on December 6th was released, uh, minor league free agent contract, I should say, was released and is signing with the Kia Tigers of the KBO. Adam, what was your favorite moment of the Adonis Medina um, era here in Milwaukee? I said at the time, I said, there's only room on this team for one Adonis, and the Adonis on the team is the very, very handsome Garrett Mitchell. So it's tough, it's tough to come in as another Adonis, even someone actually named Adonis. A mountain to be climbed there to try and bridge that gap, and uh, wasn't able to do it. So, Adonis, Gary Handsome reigned supreme once again. Yes, indeed, another move. Uh, Miquan, is that pronounced wrong? You know, I don't pronounce things right. Uh, I don't know. So, I'll, this will be a great thing for the survey. Andrew pronounced Wisconsin towns better, so. <laughs> Uh, oh, Mequon. oh! I now I know what you're saying. Mequon, Mequon. Oh, uh, Mequon. Okay, Mequon. Yeah, it, it was wrong. So I was like, "Who's this minor leaguer that I haven't heard of?" No. Uh, but no, Mequon. Mequon. Yeah, Mequ perfect. Mequon, Wisconsin's own Owen Miller, has been acquired from the Cleveland Guardians in exchange for a player to be named later or cast. 
uh, cash, not a cast. Um, but uh, interesting. Yeah, if anyone gets hurt, we have these great casts that you can use uh, to set their bones. We're going to send you these to Cleveland in exchange for a utility infielder. And that's what Owen Miller is. Appeared in 130 games with Cleveland last year, slash 243, 301, 351 with six homers, 51 RBI. Mostly played first base, but he played all over the diamond uh, for Cleveland. Played second and third as well, so add him to the mix with Abraham Toro for and Bryce Terang with guys in the system who can play multiple infield spots. Uh, will he break camp on the big league roster as sort of the the Jace Peterson role? Will he be in Nashville? That remains to be seen. He was acquired at the expense of, uh, excuse me, Mario Feliciano, who was designated for assignment. I don't think he has ended up anywhere at the moment, so we're still waiting to see what happens with that. Obviously, with the acquisition of William Contreras, uh, Jefferson Caro in the lower minors, uh, making a name for himself. Feliciano was not viewed as the heir apparent at catcher anymore, but it still was a little surprising for me to see him be someone that was removed from the 40 man to, to, to make room for Miller. I could have thought of a few other guys on the 40 man that might've made more sense for, for that. Uh, Feliciano five plate appearances in the big leagues last year. Overall, played mostly with Nashville, 77 games, hit 274, 326, 386 with six homers, 38 RBI. Um, I thought he looked good defensively in the moments we got to see him, but now it's a possibility that he will not be in the Brewers organization. And Owen Miller arrives to be more infield utility depth uh, throughout the uh, organization. Any thoughts on this, Adam? Miller kind of feels like a real player we're going to see. Um, and it's interesting in branching out, as you mentioned, you've got Toro there. We're obviously excited and hoping we're going to see plenty of Bryce Terang. But that approach to uh, really stocking up on utility infielders, a little bit different to last year. And to me, that would make perfect sense if we're like, oh, we're going to shed one of our not-so-utility infielders which is it's still kind of another shoe I'm waiting on the drop for the Brewers, um, namely Kesson Hira. Maybe that doesn't happen, but I, I think actually going out and getting on Miller and being prepared to part ways with Mario Feliciano to open up a roster spot for him, that's a move with some intent, and I do think grouped together with some of the other players, as we've mentioned, it's saying something about a slight change in their approach to building out infield depth. And yeah, I I wonder. Because even like with a lot of those moves, I think it was something that was talked about uh, when Toro arrived even kind of, okay, Brasso, does this still make sense? What are they doing there exactly? And Brasso is back. I think I prefer to see him around compared to Keston at this point. So it just feels like maybe they make a decision there. Maybe not. I mean, part of what we're going to talk about here is also based on the fact that it's like, oh, great, you've got all these infielders. You've got multiple guys who could maybe play third for like a, a day. Um, But do you like any of them to play it every day? <laughs> so it's kind of an interesting area of the Brewers roster right now where it's it's tough to really get a handle on, okay, what is the intent of the moves you're making? and is what seems like one of the kind of 
the more noticeable gaps in the roster. Is it one the Brewers are going to look to fill? Do they feel the need to to go out and acquire someone from outside the roster to start a third or start at second and keep Luis Arias a third? I guess we'll find out soon enough, but there's been some kind of musical chairs which are creating an interesting vibe, some different ideas at play, I think, in terms of how they're building depth in the infield. Yes, as the roster stands right now, so this is a perfect uh, branch-off point to the larger conversation of this episode. As things stand right now, if we got fast-forwarded to opening day, and the collection of players they have at their disposal are still at their disposal, here's what the options would be. You're seeing Christian Yelich, we assume, nailed nailed in at left field. Willie Adamas at shortstop. Rowdy Tellez at first. William Contreras at catcher. Jesse Winker, we presume, at DH if he's healthy. Obviously could be a right field option as well. And then you've got third base, second base, center field, right field as areas where there will be jobs to be won. The third base, second base uh, position will, if if the roster was only as currently constructed, would be filled out with some Luis Arias, Abraham Toro, uh, Owen Miller, or Keston Hira, or Bryce Tarang combination. That would Those would be the options as it stands right now. In center field and right field, it would be a Tyrone Taylor, Garrett Mitchell, South Freelick, Joey Weimer discussion assuming winkers at DH. So that's what it what it would look like if it was just this roster, which means there are areas where the Brewers could in theory improve. And let's, I think you let's see... start there though, before because even before you go further. So I just think even in listing out those two areas where they could improve, which are you more comfortable with if that is what they're starting the season with? My preference would be third base. Uh, or second base. I think if they do nothing, my preference would be to play Luisa Rios at third and uh throw Bryce Terang into the mix at second right away if they do nothing. Um, I just and it, it would worry me if Toro or Miller were the opening day second baseman because I I think you need to a you know make a bigger splash via free agency or trade, or B, see what you've got in a prospect that uh, you've felt very strongly about as he's risen through your system. The outfield, and obviously I think both of us have said this whole offseason that testing here a change of scenery is what would be best for both parties. Him starting opening day at second base would be shocking. Uh if Jesse Winker were to be ready to go in right field and he's still on the roster, maybe they throw him in at DH on opening day. But I don't think either of us believe that those are realistic options or things that they should be doing. In terms of the outfield, um, I'm I'm a little worried about what's going to happen because I think it, it seems very unlikely that they will opt to start three rookies. Uh, on opening day and Garrett Mitchell, I think still retains his rookie status. Didn't get enough time at the big league level last year. Whether they view him as a rookie for that purpose though, is kind of an interesting thing because I had that same thought and it's even like does, if they can't find 
an experienced kind of everyday starter third baseman for example and they have to start Bryce at second does that then deter them from bringing a prospect in the outfield too they just start to go like there's a lot of links here that that makes us which maybe that could be the way it goes is well they might like a third baseman but if they can't get that they'll be like okay well let's get someone who can play right field or let's get someone who can play center field and just kind of eliminate one area of uncertainty. I don't, I'm not crazy about that kind of logic. I think ultimately you've got to kind of map something out and be like, we're trying to make a balance of what's the best team next season, but also what's the best team the year after that and the year after that and believe in your prospects. But that is a thought I had too, is for example, if they do view Garrett Mitchell as a rookie and then they have to start Bryce Terang, do they... Do they not feel comfortable doing that? That's kind of, I'm fine with it. Like I'm fine well, even if if there are some bumps in the road with that. And if the season doesn't turn out exactly as planned, I I do think these are good prospects. They're some of the better ones you have, and there is reason to believe that they could translate and make your team better. Play them like it's the only way. You've got gaps in your roster that they could be the solutions for. Like there is a scenario where. I've seen a lot even on kind of around Brewers Twitter recently where it's like, yeah, but what if those rookies aren't ready? And not to be the optimist, Andrew, because it's not the role I'm, I'm known for, but what if they are ready? What if they are ready? Like what if Bryce Tarang and Self Relic are some of the key pieces to bring this Brewers team to another level and they hit the ground running? They There may be as good a chance of that as there is I don't know, the 37-year-old they're going to bring in on Andrew McCutcheon special, giving you anything positive and propelling you to that spot anyway. So, like, that's what I think it's interesting in thinking about the two position groups. I'm in, I'm comfortable with what's there in the outfield because I really like Freelich and Joey Weimer's prospects. That seems like something that you're probably not going to get both of those guys to hit and Garrett Mitchell to hit at least to a level where you're like, they're all long-term pieces. You could get two to hit. You could definitely get one to hit and likely will. So I have some comfort there. What you're describing with a lot of, with all due respect, below average, like below replacement level players in the infield, that's a a lot more concerning if they get to that point. As you said, like it's not well, even to say someone like Owen Miller couldn't be a really useful and important piece for the team this year. But if he's starting on opening day, that is kind of a failure of your off-season business and or your development work and your confidence and the readiness to promote guys who seem like they're on the verge of being major leaguers. I think I have those same concerns for the outfield and what the ultimate decision-making will be if they don't make a meaningful upgrade via a veteran. Because I my big concern is that they'll if they do nothing else, they will not commit to playing the rookies right away and letting the more elite talent and someone with a higher prospect pedigree just try and win a drop, win a uh, job. I think my worry is that on opening day you have, like, all right, they're like, all right, we need veterans in the lineup. We can't start three rookies. Bryce Terang, you're in the Jace Peterson role. Toro starting at second base. Tyrone Taylor starting at right field. Garrett Mitchell's in center field. And Sal Freelick and Joey Weimer are at Nashville. That's my big worry if they don't make any um, outside investment. I'm worried that they'll just 
go halfway on this situation and we'll be waiting till may june until they finally make a move to call up someone else if it were me and nothing else shakes out on this market you're like i don't want to pay some of these guys that are older i'm worried about some of these guys that coming off career years are going to fade my i was my opening day lineup would see mitchell and center free looking right or vice versa whoever they grade out as the better defensive center builder and then to rank it second that's what i would do if nothing else is done here i would i would commit to that youth movement and i mean you've also got weimer waiting in the wings if one of mitchell or freelick is to struggle early or then if you get into the season closer to the trade deadline maybe you make a similar move that they made two years ago when Luis arias was uh struggling as the everyday shortstop and they went out and got willie adamas early in the year you can use some of this prospect capital if it's not panning out to to make a win now move so i think basically you either need to commit to playing your prospects who you view as elite and ready for the next step or you need to go out and grab a meaningful difference maker in the next few weeks and you, you can't get stuck holding the bag so to speak i think they did a great job of william Contreras. that solves a lot of problems in the lineup but or the, and I I still like the Jesse Winker move, betting on a uh, betting on a bounce back if he's healthy. It just feels like they're one bat short and one one more meaningful offensive upgrade, and then that collection of young players ready to take the next step would give you a little more stability. And it's just I I worry they will go halfway to finish out the off season. But I would love to be wrong because Matt Arnold has surprised us. This offseason, the William Contreras trade came out of nowhere and is a real meaningful upgrade. Is there one more move out there? And we'll talk about some guys that either represent uh, not that or uh, or something that we would be really excited about. My, my one counter to your worst case scenario concerns there is, as currently constructed, I don't think they have the bodies in the outfield to go that route very easily. Like, sure, you can literally do it. You can be okay we've got Yelich, Tyrone Taylor and Jesse Winker beyond that like are we considering Blake Perkins as someone who's going to factor in there or dare I say it because he hasn't been traded yet if they are averse to bringing up prospects could they just treat Kesson Hero as an outfielder uh, I don't think it's tough because I don't think there's any way he's playing anywhere other than left so, yeah, and but you're not. Could, are you... Will they? I mean, particularly. Good. I, I again, this is this is tapping into your worst case scenario because I think if they didn't do something like that, I think they are actually they don't have the bodies there to not involve probably at least a couple of the prospects in a somewhat meaningful sense, unless Keston is sticking around. They're like, okay, well, Keston's in left field. I don't know. It's not a scenario that I like, but I I just think. They, they kind of have to play prospects if they don't pick up someone else in the outfield unless they're going to do something like that, in my mind, anyway. Oh, I think they'd start Tyrone Taylor in this scenario. They would start. I mean, that's your, your starting outfield would be Yelly, Tyrone Taylor, Jesse Winker. But I think, what you've I think got beyond I think... that, you do. So are we just, are we kind of... Like, are we settled on Garrett Mitchell is rookie status or not still carrying over? He is someone that they will involve, like compared I, to Weimer and Freelich, who there could well be. I mean, I'm aware of that. I don't like that, but I know there could be a Nashville few weeks, few months even, or more than a few months in their their kind of future. 
I've gotten to the point where I'm almost feel certain that one of Mitchell or Freelich will be in the opening day lineup. And I'm betting on Mitchell since he's on the 40 man, uh, had that good stretch uh, at the end of the season. And I, my question is just, do they not want to commit a, because it's very left-handed heavy uh, in the outfield as well. If they talk, if, somehow they end up talking themselves into giving Tyrone one last chance at the beginning of the season. And then it takes us two or three months before one of the other guys is called up that you make another good point about if they view Winker as an outfielder. And if they think he can start in right field, then you get into the situation where do they hang on to Hira? Is he in left? Is he at DH? Is Yelich at DH? And we just get into a whole interesting. uh... Yeah. And we see Contreras probably DH more with Caratini starting and, it opens up all of that. I mean, anything I've read or heard about Jesse Winker is he probably should not be at the outfield at this point. He should be at DH, and he'd be a really good pickup to be at DH. But these are all the different uh, options we're going to kind of have to rattle around our brains until yes, the Brewers actually do something that gives us some more clarity there. Yeah, I mean, this is that that could be name. even bringing up like Salfrey like to the forty man. We're like, oh, okay, well. They're they're really settling in on that, and that's the way it's gonna go. But I like yes, when I think about it in a very pragmatic sense, can I imagine him and Weimer starting the season with the sounds? Yeah, it seems it seems most likely for for what the Brewers were. But Matt Arnold it might be a little bit different. So that's it's again, I guess the thing we're clutching to in some ways. But he has delivered with a couple of interesting trades on that front so far. And I think one thing is most teams, I think, would look at spring training statistics and say, yes, they're useless. But if the process for these guys in the spring really jumps out at the front office, at the the coaching staff, maybe that compels them to say, okay, they're ready. So I, I would obviously at this point in the offseason, I would say that it's a safe assumption that they have no locked in plans to what they're going to do. They're waiting for another opportunity potentially to be opportunistic, as Matt Arnold liked to say. And uh, I guess we'll see what how that shakes out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So I guess based on that conversation, based on conversations around Brewers Twitter, around blogs, there are a couple different areas where people are speculating there could be upgrade opportunities in the market via trade or free agency. Third base or second base, like we mentioned, the outfielder DH uh, type, particularly a right-handed bat to add to that mix. Um, More bullpen arms, as always, and more starting pitching depth. Where do you want to start, Adam? I think it makes sense to start at third base. I think that's we've kind of settled on that that is the area where it would solve the most problems most quickly, I feel like, if there was just real clarity. Not just clarity, but it's like, oh, well, there's a great option there at third base. Because, sure, they could look for someone at second base. I know we feel like, and I would like to think the Brewers kind of see at this point, it feels like Luis Arias is best position at second base. So, I think if you got a strong third baseman, that would put together a really strong lineup for you in a hurry. Like it, it would get players closer to their best positions and hopefully give you some extra pop that you haven't had there. Now, I've listed a few different options. One's my pie in the sky dream option, and then there are the two budget options, one in particular more than the other due to age, one that carries regression concerns. Uh, someone that had been talked about as a possible target for the Brewers and who has been for a number of years was Dustin, or excuse me, Justin Turner, uh, previously of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He has signed with the Red Sox on a two-year, $22 million contract. He is 38 years old. He had a really strong finish to last season and and overall was still an above-average contributor in the lineup, but that possibility is over. Uh, The first name I've listed is the one that, if it could happen, would probably be the perfect acquisition um, for the lineup, and that would be to rekindle trade conversations, uh, not the trade conversations on this player have happened, but rekindle a relationship with the Tampa Bay Rays front office and make another trade together um, for Yandy Diaz and have Diaz be your third baseman. Not necessarily regarded as the uh, best defensive third baseman in the league or anything like that, but he's just a very reliable bat throughout his career is uh, in 472 games in both Cleveland and Tampa, hit 278, 372, 411 for a career OPS of 782, a career OPS plus of 120, had the best offensive season of his career last year, played in 137 games, 296 batting average, 401 OBP, 423 slug, nine homers, 57 RBI. So not the not the biggest power threat, but uh, what does he do that we like, Adam? He gets on base. Uh, what would your thoughts be? 
uh, about a potential trade for Yandy Diaz. There were some, I don't know if any if it ever got substantiated, but there were some rumors earlier in the offseason when the Rays were having to t- make tough 40-man roster decisions that maybe he's someone they could look to move. They've got Wander Franco at shortstop. Maybe they think he's more of a third baseman and they'll play Taylor Walls for his defense at short, even though Taylor Walls can't hit at all. Uh, Diaz is signed through 2024, so you get him for two seasons. Thoughts on my my dream that will never come true? It makes me sad to hear you say that last part because to pull back the curtain, Andrew put together a very diligent document for this. He has a whole variety of players that he listed out. I went through the list. I did my research. I told Andrew earlier, there's one person on the list that I just put a what did I put? Let me check exactly how I worded it in my version of the document. I had big yes beside Yandy Diaz. Um, yeah, this is the kind of this is the kind of move that I think is the dream scenario for just completely transforming what you're getting with the bat for rounding out your lineup and putting a kind of really nice balance to your infield. He's only been below 800 OPS once in the past four seasons. If you stretch it to five, I mean, his second season with Cleveland, he was 797. So really, really consistent. And one of the things I like about him a lot is, so like we're going to take last year with the Rays, 824 OPS, 78 walks. And we like that, Andrew. We like that uh, he's getting on base in multiple ways. It's an area that I think was particularly apparent to us when we ran through our grades and we had position group by position group and we looked at certain guys' stats. Outside of Rowdy and Yelich, uh, walks were hard to come by for, for the Brewers last season. Like There weren't too many guys who were doing that at a very high level who had the plate discipline. Um, and If you could have someone who's just a really reliable hitting threat, but they also have that plate discipline, that would be really, really valuable. And I don't know if I'd be concerned about, well, him not being the greatest defender, because I think you're getting better defense out of Lisa Rios, moving him to second. And I, I'm I'm okay with it. It's a spot, I mean, the corners, you'll, I think you'll often trade that for a little bit more, little bit more offense. And it's certainly an area at that particular position, or if we want to kind of put it as a flex between the second and the third last year that the Brewers at times had some issues with. And I think getting rid of Colton Wong, it promises to be maybe a bigger concern this year. So, yeah, like, it's your dream option. What in your head, Andrew, would a would a Brewers offer that might even get the raise attention for Yandy Diaz look like? How much would the Brewers have to pay in this scenario? I don't, I don't think you're looking at... Um a Jackson Chorio situation, obviously. Um, oh, God. I think, I think uh, the problem with the Brewers system is it's right, so top-heavy right now, right? So you've got a lot of guys who especially are ready right now um, that, that there's a lot to like about. I mean, you've, you've got guys like Je- uh, Jefferson Caro who are a little further away. Um, the the Terang Freelick Weimer Mitchell mix would have to be pulled from at least one guy, I assume, and then maybe someone else. I the Rays when they get to this point where it, they're a, a year or two away from someone's contract expiring, 
are definitely uh, always looking to get that value for them. Uh, so where reliable. they would, uh, yeah, exactly. It's they're like the Brewers on steroids. Um, and so they had to make a lot of tough decisions with their bullpen, and the Brewers were the beneficiaries of that by being able to add Javi Guerra to their bullpen. Uh, Tyler Glass now is a guy that is coming up to the point where they'll either have to extend him or trade him, I assume. They've got Shane McClanahan leading their rotation. Drew Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs all have been competent. Um, maybe they'd be interested in a Robert Gasser to kind of be next up there when they get to a situation where one of those uh, guys has to be traded. In the middle infield, uh, they've got Brandon uh, Lau, I think is how his name is pronounced, even though it's spelled low. Wander Franco, the aforementioned Taylor Rawls, and Vidal Bruhan, who are guys who had prospect pedigree but have not proved they can hit yet. The outfield's pretty stacked with Randy Rosarina, Josh Lowe, Jose Siri, Manny Margot. Um, so they got a lot of options there so that maybe they would not be as enticed by any of the outfield prospects. Uh, I mentioned that, you know, Wander Franco is a guy who might project to move to third base at some point in his career. Maybe Terang as their shortstop of the future has interest there if they don't are not sold on Taylor Walls or Bruhan being able to hit anytime soon. So uh that kind of package maybe and I think it gets to the point where they probably have enough leverage with him being two years away and then maybe wanting to count on his bat for one more year because of the no real solution at shortstop if you go ahead and move Wander to third too soon. So I think it just becomes probably too pricey for the Brewers because uh, Tampa can't afford to to ask for that. I think in any deal, uh, Casting Hero gets tacked onto the back half and the and the Rays just throw him a DH and see what happens if if any deal were to happen. But ultimately, I do think it, it would be too pricey for the Brewers to consider. Also, just doesn't make sense. Like for example, two years is great. But without having seen Bryce, like if they really like Bryce Terang, without having seen what he can do in the majors, if you move on from him for two years, that's not really how the Brewers operate because they would like to have the player under team control for much longer. So I guess that's the tricky part there. And Gasser, where I don't know what to what extent Gasser will really figure in at all, but... He is their prime starting pitcher prospect, I guess. I mean, Ethan Small, where he factors into all of this, is, I guess, a big question still. But yeah, that's that's a tough, that's a tough price. Not even just because like you or I might be like, ah, uh, I'd like them to keep that guy, but more for I think the way the Brewers value players and think about constructing their roster year over year over year. Uh, Two years is great, but to the Brewers, is that worth getting out of the Bryce Trang business right now? I don't know. There's always the danger of falling in too much love with a prospect to the point that you won't trade him. For sure. The danger in that guy becoming uh, the next superstar away from you. There's a balance there. and uh, Do we think even with the Brewers, part of that is falling in love with the value of a prospect? Like that that is the thing that we know how this team operates. We know the realities of it. This is not even I, critiquing it. It's 
you're not just like, oh, a Bryce Trang looks really good. It's like Bryce Trang looks like he could be really good and and that might be the thing that ultimately sways the Brewers on all these prospects. Like that's probably hard to shake if you're the GM and you know what you've got to work with, where you're like, well, okay, I do like this prospect, and sure, maybe he turns out to be nothing, but if I'm trading away a piece here, that could have been the thing that opened up a whole wide range of opportunities. That's going to come back to haunt me, and I don't know how easy we recover. Yeah, it would be... Now, this is a guy I love, Jason Mizorowski, um, and just, like, hearing about him. But if... Well, if the Rays want him, then I don't want to make the trade because that means he's going to be a, a <laughs> superstar pitcher. Because if if the Rays want want one of your pitchers, so they're going to turn him into a bullpen ace so that you have four of them and they they all pitch the fifth through the the ninth, and you've had your starter go two times through the order and they just beat you through their pitching. Um, but guys like that, where you're still doing a lot of projecting and you're less certain that they can be above average regulars just because there's more career development. Whereas to your point with Terang, it's like we've gotten him here. Now let's see what we've got. And maybe, maybe he's just like a elite level defensive player that can play in three different positions. And he's like that Swiss army knife elite uh, defender that wins you a meaningful goal glove at second base. And as you're, potentially shortstop of the future if the Willie Adamas uh, extension becomes unfeasible and given the shortstop market it might have gotten that to that point already to the point where the Brewers aren't willing to make that kind of commitment but we can talk about that during the middle of the season when we're bored Yandy Diaz too expensive probably I'll, I, I went long on this we'll, we'll move over to the other options uh, and you know I tried to limit myself here and after the Justin Turner deal there are limited options on the market in terms of third base, which is why this next guy, despite only having really one breakout season this last year, and uh, really it was a, a tale of two seasons for him, pre-trade and post-trade, um, he might be holding out for an overpay because there aren't as many options on the market, but that's Brandon Drury, a guy we got to see a lot of early in the season playing for the Cincinnati Reds would eventually be traded to the San Diego Padres. So across 138 games with Cincinnati and San Diego, hit 263, 324, 92 for an 813 OPS, 122 OPS plus, uh, 28 homers. Uh, regressed a bit after the trade to San Diego, uh, only a 290 OBP and a 435 slug after the trade. Um, so him, him and uh, I think Soto to a degree, uh, struggled, but it didn't matter. The Padres ended up getting to the NLCS after their big, bold swings. Drury will be, uh, I believe, going into his age 30 season. Yep, turned 30 in August. Relatable. Um, not viewed as, uh, again, like with Yandy Diaz, not necessarily a defensive player that's going to wow you, but can slot in at multiple positions, mostly plays third base, can also give you some time at second base or first base. I think he got uh, four innings at shortstop last year, according to baseball reference. Don't think that would be an option for the Brewers, but some defensive versatility there, even if it's not an elite level. The concern, obviously, is last year was a big breakout season, has looked good in limited stints uh, back when in 2016. 
with Arizona had a 101 OPS plus in the shortened season, or not the shortened season, excuse me, with the Mets in 2021 in a limited sample, had an OPS plus of 111. And then the middle of his career is just a whole lot of not staying healthy. Uh, what are your thoughts and uh, some underperformance in 2019 in Toronto? He's a guy I liked a lot when I saw him play this season, hitting home runs in Great American Ballpark against the Brewers. Uh, do you think if at the right price, this is something that if you can get him on a two two year deal, you look to do it? I really don't know because you mentioned big breakout season last year. That is true overall that he although he did drop off not insignificantly when he went to the Padres. And I know that was part of there were a lot of things that went wrong for the Padres after going really aggressive at the deadline. But that seemed to be something that even in reading a few things it seemed to kind of stick with them and stick with the fans somewhat too that if they had got the version of him that was there early in the season in Cincinnati well that probably makes a big difference and then when you look overall his career it's like it's pretty erratic like he does seem like a guy who it is hard to judge from one season to another who he's going to be what you're going to get and with that did he just start off last season really hot? I mean, he wasn't terrible by any means. He still put up solid numbers. Um, but what's what's the salary like? What are we talking about? And what's the years that he wants? And do you wanna do you wanna get locked into years at a reasonable amount? I don't feel like the Brewers do that anyway. But I don't know if this is the guy you'd want to do it for either. Like, if if he evened out at who he was last year, and you get a 13 OPS is what he had for last year in total. Yeah, great. Uh, go get that guy if you can. But even just to drop off with the Padres and then you look at what he was and the ups and downs of his career. I don't know. Some reservations there. Like, I think it's very easy to just talk yourself into him on the the baseline, the top end of the numbers. But when you consider games missed at other points in his career and you just some other inconsistencies, feels like there could be a lot of risk attached to that one if that is your big swing now. And it may not be the cheapest possible option available to the Brewers either. Yeah, Spotrack has his market value at a literal over $9 million. Um, So the question is going to be years. If you told me they could sign Brandon Drury at two years, $18 million. I kind of like the sound of that, but this market's gone crazy. And a 38-year-old third baseman just got two years, $22 million. Uh, Justin Turner is a better player with a better track record than Brandon Drury, but Brandon Drury's agent obviously has to be factoring in. My client is eight years younger than this guy who just got this much. Why can't I get... Uh, two years, $25 million or whatever it may be. Who knows how that'll shake out. I think if you could get him on a low-year uh, deal, or even if you overpay him for one year as kind of like a stopgap, if the market's not what he thought it was going to be, you do that. But um, like you said, there's a lot of risk involved there. Uh, one more option on the third base market. Um, another veteran one that I'm worried falls a little bit too close to the Andrew McCutcheon type of signing. And that's Evan Longoria, 
who is coming off his age 36 season with the San Francisco Giants. My big issue here with him, I mean, he's still provided adequate seasons when healthy, but he hasn't been healthy. 81 games in 2021, 89 games in 2022. Uh, in 2021, 261, 351, 482 from 833 OPS, a 124 OPS plus. Uh, last year in the 89 game sample, 244, 315, 451 for a 767 OPS, 114 OPS plus. 14 homers last year, 13 homers the year before. Um, hits lefties pretty well still, but if he's not on the field and in the lineup, that's kind of an issue. I would steer clear of this just because of the age and the injury concerns. It's absolutely a situation where he stays fit and it's a one-year stopgap. There's also been rumors uh, that he's holding out for a two-year deal with a contender, I guess was the the report. Would not, under any circumstances, give him two years uh, like they did Justin Turner in Boston. I think Turner's shown a little bit more of a track record of of staying healthy, even though he does carry injury concerns of his own. Uh, yeah, not for me on Longoria. Uh, too risky. He'll be 37 on opening day, turn 37 in October. Yeah, I like I, I agree on that. And I also think if they feel they need to go and get a starting third baseman, how many options are there? What can they do and what are they forced into doing? I don't know how much the two years thing bothers me because he's holding out for it. And yeah, he's holding out for it because no one is giving it to him. So he may end up having to walk that back yet anyway and settle for one year. Now, maybe he's got more appealing offers if it's one year. But I don't know. Like you come through this exercise and it's like Andy Diaz. Yeah, someone like that would be great. But then is that really workable? Is it? Does that fit the way the Brewers like to construct their roster at all? And whatever way we look at it, they, they need to do something. They may need to make some bold decision. That bold decision may ultimately prove to be, well, you're playing Bryce Terang. And if that's the case, great. I mean, I'm on board with that. Let's see how that goes. But, yeah, I, I think real, real risk attached. And also, I mean, part of this is they moved a little bit earlier and they played some of their chips on getting a high-quality catcher. And we're good with that. Like, we're really, really good with that. I think we're very happy with the Contreras deal. That was the greatest position of need on the roster when you look at the production they got from there last season. So I can't kind of, if they end up at a point where it's like, yeah, the third base options aren't there, I'm fine with that as long as we see them embrace some of the more adventurous internal options. I just don't want to see the Toro Miller and just be locked into that and not giving Terang a look in. Shall we move on to second base, Adam? Sure. Another, uh, another op, not optimistic, uh, outlandish suggestion from me here via the trade market, a report from December 5th by Dan Hayes of the athletic says that Luis Areas could be traded this offseason by the Twins, but only in the right deal, according to sources familiar with the team's thinking. Uh, if this option is to lock Luis Arias down as the everyday third baseman and, and go out and get a guy to make the primary second baseman, or they could flip-flop, um, then Luis Arias would be a very interesting option. He played 
all over the infield last year. First base primarily, also played second base and third base, um, and had a great season at the plate. He's someone with an approach that uh, would be refreshing to us based on what we said this roster needed last year, which was contact and patience. He led the AL in batting average last year, hit mm-hmm. 316 with a 375 OBP, 420 slug for 795 OPS, 130 OPS plus. Only eight homers, not a power guy. He puts the ball in play. He doesn't uh, strike out, and he's patient. So that's what he would bring to this lineup. Again, he's he's only 25. We'll turn 26 on April 9th. A guy that the Twins will ask for the moon for now i, I know what, what is the moon to the twins though because we went through this for the rays so what is the is there a scenario where the moon looks easier for the brewers to come up with for the twins that those are the rays or are we talking similar kind of positions and prospects i don't know because i would i would tend to wonder that now with the the lack of the shift and just contact coming back into play a little more um I wonder how his skill set's going to be valued because I think for a lot of front offices and analytically inclined people, there would be a cap to the value they think that a contact hitter only is going to bring your organization. So maybe because of that, they think, okay, he can't possibly just keep hitting 300 forever and rely on on that to be what provides most of his value. Maybe they could be tempted with something like one of those um like higher ceiling less sure things towards the back of or towards the middle of the brewers uh top prospect rankings i don't know his his contract runs through i believe 2026 uh yeah into the 2025 season so you get three years from for trading for him trading for guys with that kind of control with that track record of the season he just had probably going to be a ton the other question is like he played all over last year but he played mostly at first base what is he valued at if he's a full-time second baseman can he be that for 162 games who knows how he's viewed in both the brewers organization and the twins organization but if the twins are saying like yeah you know defensively we can only get by with him playing first base and you know no power from that position you know he can be had i don't know uh, I think a trade's unlikely, but I, I I would make the call. Yeah, I mean, look, we talked throughout last season. Uh, we got tired of talking about it. You probably got tired of listening to us talk about it. How the Brewers' problem was not home runs. We know that. They were able to deliver power. In part, I think that's what led to what to me is bordering on a fallacy of, oh, you know, they're actually a good offensive team. They could have been a great offensive team if they had a couple of players who could have just plugged in the gaps to get on base and be the kind of the setup man as such for your Reddy Telez, your William Thomas, your Hunter Renfro's. I mean, with Renfro gone, I mean, Jesse Winker, William Contreras, there are those kind of options there. There's still that kind of profile for the Brewers. If they could get someone who, you know, a league leader in batting average, someone with 50 walks last year too, someone of that profile. Game changer again. I actually think, funnily enough, it's something that excites us about some of the Brewers' prospects is they project to be guys who 
will just make good contact and get on base. And it's an, something that the Brewers have really kind of been lacking in. So definitely worth a call. I do think, though, compared to like the Andy Diaz, there's elements of, uh, of this option I prefer, but you're you're sticking with Weicho a third. Maybe the Brewers are perfectly happy for that. Maybe that's what they're most happy to do. Like that's probably the thing we can't exactly factor in here, but they may have a different feeling on if they would like someone who is more naturally a second or a third baseman too. Like they might be happy with Weicho a third. I think second to our eyes certainly looks his best spot, but it's another consideration if they go and they, they make a move at second, well, got to be sure that you're happy with Luis Arias third. Moving on to another situation that sees Luis Arias at third, uh, former Brewer from 2012 to the end of 2015, Gene Segura was a Brewer, was an all-star in 2013, uh, had an up-and-down season with the Phillies last year, I think ended up losing some playing time to Bryson Stott, was it? Or was Stott the shortstop? I can't remember. Um, losing some playing time in the season. Uh, deals with injuries from time to time. And will be 33 at the beginning of next season. Has always been regarded as a solid glove at second. And I think he had the, the nickname Gene Gene the Hit Machine for a while. So you like to hear that. Um it's all this for me would almost represent picking up like a right-handed version of Colton Wong, but maybe with um about the same amount of power, maybe a little less power than Colton. Uh last year played in 98 games, hit 277, 336, 387, 723 OPS, 104 OPS plus, 10 homers. Um until this past season, he had at least played uh, 130 games or more in three of the last full seasons. So 2021, 2019, and 2018 was also was also an all-star with Seattle in that 2018 season. So a guy that I think you would only consider if you're buying low and would be a one-year stopgap. That being said, is as much as you might want a little degree of certainty or veteran presence there if it's if option a is start bryce terang as your full-time second baseman and see what you've got option b is sign gene segura eileen start bryce terang yeah i, I was kind of when you described as a right-handed colton wong i was like okay well that makes sense and that's worth picking up but only if you're doing it with the understanding that you're not going to have him block a path for bryce terang like I, I think that's also part of where the logic was to move on from Colton, and that's if they go and they replace Colton with another Colton-like figure. I don't know what are we doing here. It, I like I we're kind of going in circles on that too, and it's I feel like we've been having that conversation one way or another since the end of last season, and we're like, okay, looking ahead, what can they change? Who's coming? Who may end up leaving the Brewers in the off season? It's just going to come down to where that balance is and which prospects they're ready to go with. Bryce Terang, I hope they feel like they're ready to go with him because the need is there. And if that's the case, they pers- there's just no point in uh, overcomplicating it. Just 
trust price to rang and go and see what you've got. But depending on price, I mean, if you get an experienced hand in there who is going to free you up, make things a little bit gentler, once you do it with the understanding and once it's like, once you're not giving Craig someone that he might prefer to lean on that experience and you're not on the track down of developing the younger player, all of that kind of stuff is always a balance. So whether it's Segura or really kind of anyone else, and even as we move to outfielders, that's that's got to be part of the equation here too, is they may need someone who's able to play some meaningful games and, and give good contributions, but you also don't just want someone who's blocking a path if you really do believe in your prospects. The last guy I had on this list, uh, just to illustrate the bleakness of the market, was Josh Harrison, who played second base, played a little third base, played some outfield last year for the Chicago White Sox. He's going to be 35 this season. Uh, Had a really good uh, stretch from about uh, the COVID season to the end of the 2001 season where he provided some above average contributions with the bat uh, the second half of 2021 and 2022 saw some severe regression with the bat posting OPS pluses of 79 in the second half of 2021 in 48 games with Oakland uh, 119 games with Chicago last year and OPS plus of 94. Uh, no. I, I don't I don't think it makes sense at all for all the reasons we listed. Uh really about Segura is kind of a, a similar thing just with a player that you could expect less production from. Agreed. I don't see it. I just what's the point here? <laughs> it's like you, if you didn't have prospects if you were a year further away with those guys, yeah, you've got to do something like this. This just feels like the kind of player and profile player that the Brewers had in a few spots last year that I don't think they need to go that route this year. All right, Adam, next up, the outfielder DH right-handed bat types um, that if you think that Jesse Winker needs a platoon mate at DH or if you think you need some right-handed options for right field, whatever it may be, uh, these are some guys that would be in the mix there. First of all, Will Myers, who spent last year with the San Diego Padres. Um, actually, he's been with the Padres since 2015. Originally came up in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. Struggled through injuries last year. Only 77 games played. 261, 315, 398 for a 713 OPS. 108 OPS plus. Can play first base as well as a few outfield spots. Originally in the minors, I think came up as a catcher. Uh, or maybe that was in his amateur career. Can't remember. But Myers is that right-handed option. He's 32. If you're looking for someone to start in right field or be a platoon DH option for Jesse Winker, maybe that's an option. Uh, what are your thoughts on Will Myers' pursue or stay away? Uh, on the 77 games last year, do we know Do we know what the injury was or we, do we know what factored into that? I did last week when I was planning this podcast. Keep talking. <laughs> uh, he had a right knee injury. Hmm. I don't love that for covering a lot of ground in the outfield. Also, from June, he opted against knee surgery um, and rest and rehab, which maybe that worked. If that didn't work and he just put off a knee surgery, oh, well, that would be a problem. You know, that's not what you want. Um, 
He also had a neck injury that was not serious. Anyway, we um, could corner the market on uh, players with knee and neck injuries. I'd rather not, to be honest, Andrew, just for our sanities, which is anything else. 77 games last year is a concern when you're getting someone who's a little bit older, and then if you are going to have an injury kind of linger true, particularly when we are talking about, like, I ideally, I am right in saying Jesse Wicker should just not be playing right field. Like, he should be, he'll get a day or two here or there, like, that's part and parcel of how this works across the course of a absolute marathon season, which is what Major League Baseball guarantees you. But it's just it's not something you want to see very regularly or in the most meaningful games unless you're in a squeeze. So if you're signing someone to avoid that or to alleviate some of the concerns, that's not the route to go, I would say. Someone who and the injury bothered them last year, and they're at the kind of 32, 33 range. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I, I just don't exactly see it. It's certainly not exciting me as opposed to being like, oh, it's it's Joey Weimer time. Uh, similar territory to move on to the next player. Played uh, for Baltimore and Houston last year. Got some time at first base, got some time at right field, a little bit of time in left field, some time at DH. So all over the positions that we're discussing right now. A guy who was a, a great story um, in 2020. Um, Trey Mancini had uh, stage three colon cancer and got that treated, missed the entire 2020 COVID season, and then uh, the end of 2020 in November announced he was ca- cancer free and was coming back to baseball and then had um, a very solid season with the Orioles uh, in that 2021 season, 250 batting average street, 26 OBP 432 slug um, hit 21 homers last year uh, began the season with Baltimore traded to Houston offensive uh, his offense tailed off after the trade to Houston and uh kind of struggled once the trade was made. Only 30 years old, will turn 31 in March. A guy that probably at this point in his career should only be a DH or a first baseman, part-time outfielder like you described with Winker, right-handed bat, which is something the Brewers would, would like to have for potential platoon options in right field or even first base or DH. His stock is seemed to be pretty low, and he's towards the back half of a lot of these like free agent uh, rankings lists. If you get him on a buy low as a a one year deal or something, maybe worth considering. He's same train of thought with with Myers, but the question is, what do you view about the defense in right field, which is where he would have to play primarily? My question to you was going to be, what do you think of his defense? You've answered that, and I don't like the answer because. Otherwise, I was kind of interested. I mean, 787 career OPS. Um, just being that little bit younger helps. But you don't need two Jesse Winkers for all tens of purposes on your roster. So if you do feel like the concerns defensively would be maybe not quite to that level, but not a million miles removed, I again, wh- why are you investing in that if you're the Brewers? Because... Sure, the best case scenario that all works out, you're covered across the entire season. The worst case scenario is it doesn't work out at all. 
and both those guys end up injured or one of those guys ends up injured even and all of a sudden you're in a very, very different spot in terms of what your options are at DH and right field. And I think it'd be one thing if he was just a left-handed masher. Uh, his career numbers are nearly identical against right-handers and left-handers. A, a touch better against left-handers, but I just mean a touch. <laughs> like, if you go look at his splits, it's it's ridiculous how even they are. Would be cool to have a, a guy with that, that story and that background try to really, like, finish or start the second half of his career with the Brewers, and maybe he would break out with the bat again. But for the lack of flexibility it provides defensively, I do think it's unlikely. Uh, we'll go quickly through a few others. Jerks and Profar, who played with the San Diego Padres. He's an interesting one. Was a high-profile prospect um, coming up through, I think originally it was Oakland system. And then eventually ended up in, or it was, I think it was in Texas actually first, and then ended up in Oakland, and then ended up in San Diego. Battled injuries through the early part of his career, poor performance, and now has kind of remade himself as this uh, utility guy. Uh, pretty much the full time, I think, left fielder in San Diego last year. Let's let me get a look at that. Yeah, really, despite being a a jack of all trades for a lot of his career, found himself with that nailed down role in left field in San Diego, so who knows what his defense is like in those various infield positions or in right field, which is a position that doesn't look like he's played um, very much at all in his major league career. He's only gotten uh, 31 games in right field, yeah, it looks like, for his career, which is where you'd expect him to factor in. But there is that that interesting defensive versatility that stands out. 331 OBP last year, 111 OPS plus for the Padres, and that's obviously – in a ballpark that is not very hitter-friendly. Depending on how his versatility is viewed, it could be an interesting one. Um, don't know what his market's like. Don't necessarily think it's a fit, but a guy I wanted to talk about it. Another, like Mancini, that's just kind of a cool story about someone, in his case, finally figuring it out uh, in his in his late 20s, despite that uh, kind of that label of bust being hung over his head for so long. I like 73 walks last year. That sounds good to me. Um, the uh, More inconsistent overall, I think, in in an offensive sense to be like, maybe maybe we can live with that. I don't know. It could be an interesting flyer. I'd like, again, though, it's going to left field. It doesn't make it ideal, as you said, if he's just never really played right field. But it's all going to factor into what are the Brewers' actual plans for prospects? What are they really, even like best case scenario, plotting out? If guys aren't up immediately, how soon do they want them there? Part of that might just be who's cheap, who can fill a gap for a couple of months until we feel like, yeah, everything's ready and everything's gone to the plan we have in place. But yeah, I don't know. Not enthusiastic, Andrew. Last but not least on the uh, free agent side of things is Michael Conforto, who missed all the 2022 season after undergoing shoulder surgery last year. His agent is Scott Boris, so negotiations uh, with him <laughs> would not be easy. Uh, I don't know if I said his name, Michael Conforto, uh, longtime New York Met, 
career 255 hitter, 356 OBP, 468 slug for a career OPS of 824, career OPS plus of 124. A guy that draws a lot of walks, has uh, decent power during uh, early parts of his career, hit 33 homers in 2019, 28 homers in 2018, 27 homers in 2017, a season in which he was an all-star. Uh, will be 30 when the season starts. Left-handed bat uh, and would expect to be uh, a right fielder, which is where he has started most of his career. So from that standpoint, it fits a bit. But it adds another left-handed option when you've got um, Mitchell and Freelich as, as guys you're expected to count on uh, for those outfield spots. Uh, I don't know. Because the numbers are really compelling, but all of the injury risk and coming off a year where he did not play baseball are concerns, as are what kind of contract Scott Boris is going to eventually get him. And teams seem to be overpaying Scott Boris clients left and right here. I mean, the contract might be the biggest concern because I get where you're coming from. A guy who's just missed a full season, but the numbers are very compelling and compared to the kind of options we're looking at. Particularly if you're minded like we are, right? So, Andrew, let's game this out. Let's say they sign him, and they have a view that, okay, the vision is we get kind of the prime version of him, the the guy he was for, honestly, very consistent high-end hitter for a lot of us at the Mets. That's great. That's a big win. We're happy to have that guy. If the disaster is he's unavailable, he can't play, the prospects play, Andrew. Like, uh, that that could be the part where I'm somewhat compelled here because if this is your more experienced play and this is the flyer you take, I think plan B is going to be, okay, well, it is hands over more responsibility to Freelich and Weimer. And that might just be where they need to go anyway. And if it doesn't get to that, you can kind of integrate them more gradually, more slowly. Well, that means he's healthy and he's probably playing well. That might be more of the kind of move that's worth taking rather than someone who is purely placeholder, who's not moving the needle as in, oh, the best version of this guy isn't necessarily going to push us to a different stratosphere right now. And in some of those cases, the worst case may even kind of block the pathway for for younger players to come true. I don't know. He's uh he's someone that if his market doesn't develop the way that Boris wants it to, could be one of those opportunistic type of signings. Because what if he takes like a Carlos Correa with the twins type deal where the Brewers play pay him twenty, twenty five million for one year as a stopgap option and then Boris tries to use this as a season to uh kind of re-enhance his value and then he goes out and looks for that multi year deal next year. That's if that's what happens, I think they'd be really smart to take that chance. Um, at what point, they... for for me, at what point do you think we can say someone's market has not developed? Because oh, I, in I mean, my this... mind, we're not getting a million miles away from where it would seem like that is. So I mean, for him, it's it's interesting because some guys it could drag into the start of spring training. And, like, okay. But I think, I don't think he can afford to take that risk because of how much baseball he's already missed. And I think there was his mark, his 
offseason drug out uh, last season. And I think the extent of his injury didn't even get reported until like late March, if I'm remembering that correctly. So this is not unique territory for him. It's actually April, I think, when the when the report came out. So there was a, a lot of speculation after the lockout ended last year. It's like, why, why hasn't Conforto signed? And I think uh, he hurt his shoulder in a workout uh, during the lockout. And there was a lot of just like confusion around that. And I think Forrest didn't want him to sign a deal as damaged goods, so to speak, even if it was a multi-year rather than like wait it out and see what he can get if he proves he's fully healthy. So he's a guy that I hope he signs during this podcast. So I can say he's a guy that might drag things out and then we get off this podcast and this is already old news. That'd be great. But there's a lot to like about the bat Adam. And if they could get him on a one year overpay situation, I think it makes a lot of sense so that you're, if you're not counting on rookies, you're also not counting on underwhelming veteran options. What about um, him to your... being? What about him being a lefty? I mean, that's definitely a concern because it's you're going to be a left-handed heavy lineup, and in particular outfield. But also, if we get our way and it's Mitchell and Freelick instead of Tyrone Taylor starting opening day, we have that same problem. So yeah, it's just true. a a proven left-handed commodity that if it doesn't work out, like you said, what if his shoulder's not healthy, then you get to May, June and you're like, all right, we're playing all the prospects and and we'll see what happens. Uh, We'll be fascinated to see what, what his deal looks like and who the acquiring team is. One more, I'll try and move quickly. Uh, Trade option, Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, a Wisconsin native as well. Um, Marshfield, Wisconsin, uh, Dal- Dalton Varsho plays outfield, plays catcher. I think the the idea for Arizona is that he will primarily be an outfielder going forward. 71 games in right field last year, 54 in center field, 31 at catcher, 15 at DH. Um, 4.9 war, I think, because of just the defensive value that he showed in the outfield um, after uh, making more of a transition to be primarily an outfielder. He hit 235, 302, 443 for a 745 OPS, 109 OPS plus. Flashed some nice power as well, which contributed to the value he added. Uh, 27 home runs. Uh, There's been reports that the Diamondbacks, similar to the Luisa Reyes conversation, it's like for the right opportunity, the Diamondbacks would trade one of their outfielders. And in MLB Trade Rumors uh, piece from a few weeks ago, Varsho's name was mentioned. Cool idea because of the versatility, but is I think for me, this deal would be the most compelling and enticing if he had, like, if there was an idea that he's still very much a catcher part-time because that provides some intriguing options as a backup to William Contreras and what you can do putting him at DH potentially. Um but this one, I think, is not necessarily that realistic, but it has been subject to shatter because of the Wisconsin of it all, so I thought I'd bring it up. I mean, I like the age profile, but that generally doesn't make a deal for a guy like this any cheaper. Um, and that kind of versatility, which is not all that common at this point. Again, a lefty. So <laughs> no matter what we do, we're just going to have lefties everywhere, particularly in the outfield. 
but yeah no I, I don't hate it but also i'm not overly compelled by it just maybe that could be you know subtitle for this podcast don't hate some of the options out there but not overly compelled by them either andrew Maybe, maybe yeah. though, just maybe Matt Arnold has some magic up his sleeve and some some options that you're not even considering. That's certainly possible. Moving on to pitching, and I think we can go quickly through this because uh, this market, and especially the bullpen market, is just like, God knows, flip a coin, who knows what's going to happen with any of these guys. And I think from a starting pitching perspective, would it be nice to add some more depth to the system? Yes. Uh, but I think the guys that I mentioned here would be options if they used, say, an Eric Lauer uh, to go get a guy like Varsho or one of the other trade candidates we mentioned because I think Arizona was looking for major league ready pitching, if I remember from that article. So these suggestions are contingent on that being a reality, which I don't necessarily think it is. I I really like the Brewers starting rotation as it is going into this season. You've got... Uh, Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, obviously. Um, we hope Freddie returns healthy from the injury issues that he showed last year. And then you got Ashby, Lauer, Hauser, Jansen, Junk as as people that could factor into the end of that rotation and then spot starts here and there depending on injuries. Uh, the guys I had listed here were Michael Waka, who, if Brewers fans will remember, came up with the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, spent last season with the Boston Red Sox and didn't have a full season's worth of workload necessarily. I think he dealt with a few minor injuries here and there, but in 127 innings, uh, 3-3-2 ERA, um, 4-14 FIP, and, you know, just was a reliable starting pitcher after a really tough year in Tampa in 2021 has seemed to get his career back on track and will, I would assume will be in somebody's rotation this year. Again, taking a chance on a guy like Waka or a Wade Miley, a former brewer, or a Jordan Lyles, former brewer, would be if if you decide that you have to pull from your current starting rotation options to enhance the roster elsewhere, um, because these are guys that I think despite their inconsistencies and some ups and downs within their performance will be in somebody's rotation. And I don't know if they're signing with the Brewers to be a, a maybe depth piece. Walker's never played over 30 games, which feels a little low. Particularly, I mean, yeah, part of this, if the Brewers, because... Well, I suppose, I suppose. He's mostly... Has he always been a starter? From day one, he's a starter? I think there were periods where maybe because of injury issues he had to relieve. But he's... The the up and down inconsistency with injuries have been the story of his career. Yeah, because even when I say he's never played more than 30, I mean, if he was hitting 30 as a starter, you you live with that pretty happily. And that's that's basically doing what you want through his rotation. He's below that, a few games below that most years, so injuries are coming along at some point or another. I don't... The numbers are not unappealing. Um, I just think to your original point, there's no need for this unless it's kind of part of a whole variety of 
dominoes falling. But even like last year, 332 ERA, 1.115 whip. For like a back-end starter, if you're moving someone like Lauer and other guys are jumping around, I mean, that's fine. That's workable. If he gives you something like that, you'd be very happy with it. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's part of a much bigger thing if it comes to whether it's Walker or Wade Miley or anyone else, if if that's the route the Brewers are going. Because right now, they feel very well stocked in that department. And I don't necessarily think that they'll be viewing that as like there's a surplus and that they need to package those. Because that also feels like a correction to some of what went wrong last year. And it's a very conscious decision to be like, okay, we're not going to let a few injuries, a bad run of injuries in the middle of the season terror are starting pitching depth down again. And right now they're pretty well equipped to avoid that situation. The bullpen uh, situation has a lot of guys that I do not view as Matt Arnold's new idea on how yes. you should build a bullpen. Yeah, th- there's not there's not necessarily the guys on but the But is, is the counter it... to that that the Brewers maybe need some guys who don't just throw gas at this point? That is going to be my primary take here. And one other thing, I think they need a left-hander back there. They've got Hobie Milner. Uh, I know they forgot to mention the guy from the Mets they signed to a minor league deal um, last week. First name's Thomas. Can't pronounce his last last name. I will look this up when I got... Is that Panone or something like that? Yeah, yeah, that's him. So I think he's a left-hander, maybe... He turns into something in Nashville. But I think they need a lefty out of the pen. There are some names uh, scattered about. Brad Hand, Will Smith. The guy I want, though, is Andrew Chafin, who is, if you'll remember, Brewers fans, a former Chicago Cub, was dealt to the Oakland A's at the trade deadline in 2021, spent last year with Detroit. 57 and a third innings, 2.83 ERA, opted out of his uh, second year of his contract with the Tigers, has an absolutely glorious mustache, and I think uh, would be a nice addition to the bullpen mix, giving them a left-hander to replace uh, Brent Suter. I will admit, I looked at the numbers earlier. This time I was looking at the hair-mustache combo, and it's top tier. It's truly elite. He he looks like a guy who would fit in in Milwaukee. Like, maybe Milwaukee of, like, the like, does he look like a brewer from the 80s? Yeah, possibly. But maybe this team needs a brewer from the 80s. I'm I'm all in on it. I mean, this reliever market, I keep saying market, like I'm... Um, like oh, I'm you know what like, his nicknames are? Um, He's, yeah, I I'll see two you... listed here. One of them, I mean, one is the Sheriff, which I like a lot. I mean, briefly, that was the nickname that uh, Jordan Tresky and I gave to Tom Maker with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, but his primary nickname is Big Country. And, oh, I love know, that. There is an opening for Big Country on the Brewers now. Because the in in the past, the uh, the Big Country moniker was assigned by me, and I have no right to assign uh, nicknames to Milwaukee Brewers players at this point in my tenure here. So someone that comes with that nickname organic and ready-made would be a welcome addition. Um, 
a left-handed reliever obviously seems like the way to go because uh, we've got uh, Yoel Piamps. We've got Javi Guerra as another option from the right-handed side. Uh, Elvis Peguero, Jansen Junk, potentially, if he's not factoring into the rotation and they see a fit for him in the bullpen. Adrian Hauser might be due for a bullpen role this year from the right-handed side. Who knows? So left-handed reliever seems to be just like the the next bit of filling that out. There's also uh, former Brewer Corey Knable from the right-handed side if they still want to just keep adding to volume and see what happens. I want nothing to do with a role as Chapman. I know he's left-handed, but no thank you at all. I've got uh, I've got a lefty that they could give a bullpen roll to. Hit me, Ethan Small. That I I like that, I like that option as well. Um, we know stuff works for like an inning. <laughs> Maybe I'm two. I'm on board. To I'm get to the turret, it gets pretty scary in a hurry. But yeah, I mean, I th- I think they should do it. There were some guys that were signed to roles where they could be bullpen arms or potential swingman starter arms that the Brewers were not in on. Trevor Williams and uh, Seth Lugo come to mind. I think Trevor Williams is headed to Washington. Seth Lugo headed to San Diego. Adam, Adam another left-hander still in the market, Taylor Rogers. Uh, you might nope. remember him from the, the 2022 season. He played for the Brewers. Uh, nope. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal right-handed, but he's still on the market. I think he's got to have a workout scheduled at some point coming up soon. We, Adam, we and... should mention a reliever who, uh, just to get off the subject of guys you're listing right now, uh, who is no longer on the market. Uh, that is uh, former friend, now enemy, Brad Boxberger, hmm. who he's really, he's not just turned his back, although the Brewers, you know, <laughs> kicked him to the curb. Uh, he's responded to that by becoming a Chicago Cup. Yeah, no ill will towards Brad Boxberger, the human being, for taking who wanted to pay him and signing their deal. That being said, if Rowdy Telez wants to hit one onto Waveland Avenue at Wrigley Field in March or April, I would be more than happy to see that. I don't know if that's the the left field side of Wrigley or the right field side, so I don't know if I'm asking Rowdy to go oppo out of the ballpark. Rowdy Uh, could do it. It's fine, ready. And with the way Box was just tossing some some melons up there to be hit, I mean, Rowdy could do it. Yeah, the only thing that could be a match for Rowdy in that situation is the wind blowing in in Chicago in a. That's true. In an early season, in an early season matchup that you know for some reason they're opening the season in Chicago in an outdoor ballpark because reasons, Adam. It makes so, so much sense. That went um, well last year, if you remember. Or was Ooh, that at home last me. year? Uh, no, no, was it was. It was. Chi- it was. Re- it was Wrigley, and yeah, I was in the, it that was in Chicago. For some reason, I saw an old tweet of mine that was like, "Turns out, the nickname for this city is apt." <laughs> like, yeah, sure makes is. Makes a lot of sense. I think we've come to the end of our longer than I expected episode, where we exactly look at, as long as I expected. Just for the record, we look at some outstanding needs, and. I guess what this really came down to is, hey, they should trade for this guy, but it's probably going to cost too much. Let's play the prospects. And I play the prospects. That's the takeaway. I honestly, 
maybe there's some magic there, but play the prospects is the most logical thing when you go through this. I, d I don't even think that's like us overvaluing or being overattached. I just think it's it's the most pragmatic choice. They do seem like good prospects, and we understand how the Brewers put the roster together, what's there for them to work with. You look at what's available. It's like, I think this is the best route. This is the most obvious route. It's the best route. Maybe the only way you could mess it up is by going so far out of your way to try and give yourself security. Like, maybe don't overdo that either. It could be part of it. If if it doesn't quite work out and you've got to make a trade, well, you've got to make a trade. I'm I'm prepared to trust in the prospects. So I, I think it's the better option than a lot of those that are there. Unless some other team needs a third team in a trade and really wants very little from them, and it's just going to give the Brewers, you know, a right field or a third baseman. If that could be uh, an option, well, that would be great. But otherwise, I think it's it's time to give some of these guys a chance. Yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't turn my nose up at Drury or Conforto on the right deal. Mm -hmm. But I think we're getting closer and closer to... Uh, play the prospects, see what happens, and uh, go from there. All right. That does it for us. Uh, we'll see what happens. We'll be back next week one way or another. Um, maybe a couple of days later with the holidays, but we'll be back next week. And yeah. if the Brewers have done some more, maybe we've got some stuff there. I, I've got a couple of ideas we can go to otherwise. Unless you, have you got something... Yeah, just what we talked about. I think we'll evaluate some of the moves that some of the competitors in the National League Central have made and see how their rosters stack up right now. Obviously, the Cubs have been active in the last few days. Um, they got I – won't, I won't spoil who. You might know, but they have the one of the best heads of hair in baseball right now uh, added to their team. So might talk about what the Cards have done, what the Cubs have done. Uh, I, I, I can't – speak to, to i don't know if we've got to go deeper than that but we'll we'll definitely talk about those two yeah sneak preview might be a three-team division next year definitely won't be a five-team division <laughs> three-team division is more of a problem than it was last year so uh we're talking about that is unless the o'neill Cruz uh batted ball data oh, yeah. turns itself into actual production in which case i'm scared yeah that's you know, the best player in baseball. I say it every time I see him. Uh, he just doesn't do it when I'm not watching. That's that's how it feels <laughs> like. So, yeah, we'll see how that one plays out. Until next time, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. That's Cruising for a Bruising. As I mentioned up top, if you are a regular listener, if you listen to this pod or any other GSPN pods, please do go and fill out our survey at gspn.info. I promise you won't take very long, but it will help us to make better podcasts and to just generally shape this whole thing in the way that works best for all of you, our listeners, in the future. So please have your say. Let us know what you think. GSPN.info on the top option there is for the survey. All the rest of our pods, we're checking out. Eurostep Podcast Network feed. You've got Eurostep. you got Win and Six covering all things Milwaukee books. Big things happening for the books. Joe Ingalls is set to return as we record this. He'll probably be back by the time most of you listen to it. Big, big games coming up, most notably the Boston Celtics on Christmas Day. All things books are covered there. Green Bay Packers, they are also 
about to return to action as we record this. Hopefully a good result there. Hopefully more touchdowns for Christian Watson. Hopefully the playoff dream goes on for another week and then maybe at some point it's just like, huh, maybe they will do it. Maybe it's not ridiculous. Who knows? Numak, Jordan Tresky, have you covered on that most of the time? I believe there is a guest penciled in with Numak for the the Monday night post-game breakdown, so keep an eye out for that. And make time for this, where Andrew and I have covered all things World Cup. We'll continue to talk football occasionally. But first and foremost, movies, TV shows, music, that sort of stuff. So lots of good movie shows planned out for us over the next few weeks. Make time for this. Is the home for all of that. That does it for now. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. Happy holidays, everyone.